0: Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join Martin, Dave, Spencer, and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People.
1: So, welcome to another T2 Hubcast. It's me, Martin Johnson, and I'm with Dave Pendleton. Dave Pendleton. Welcome, Dave. Um, how are you feeling? Not bad, are you? Uh, it's, it's it's spring. Sunny. It's spring, it's sunny, it's getting warmer. What more could we ask for? Eh? So, um, today's Hubcast, we are going to uh, talk about customer service competencies. One of your favourite subjects, Dave, right? Absolutely one of my favorite subjects, yeah. <laughs> but also one of the subjects that gives me the most pain. Yes, and probably one of the subjects that um, certainly our customers um, are inconsistent with, and that is even if they are focusing on it at all. We What what we observe is in training and development, and certainly in the whole area of sort of customer experience and customer service, the customer service sort of training stroke process uh gets all of the limelight and um i we don't think that organizations pay as much attention to the competencies the overall competencies not just from a from a process perspective or skills perspective but the overall competencies which includes the people skills etc that great customer service organizations departments and individuals need to focus on you know the inputs we always talk about inputs versus outputs mm, right the inputs of mm of the role. So we wanted to jump on a Hubcast. Um, for any T2 Hub members, who if you're listening to this, you should be one. Um, for any T2 Hub members, what's worth signposting it before we start is that there is a competency framework uh, toolkit on the, web, on the Hub uh, under the productivity tool section. So if you go to the bottom and scroll across, you'll see the customer service competency framework toolkit. That will have all of what we're gonna talk about in there for you to use at your leisure. So after this Hubcast, we'd recommend you check it out and take a look. So, Dave, just from a, your perspective, before I sort of come in there, we we created a series of competency frameworks at T2, customer service being one of them. Why do we believe in them? Why do you, why do you, why do you think a competency framework is something that organizations should be deploying and should consider deploying at, at, at a high level?
0: Well, I I guess cross-topic and cross-subject rather than just just around customer service. Mm. Um, I think the the competency framework, certainly ours, because it's nice and straightforward and simple to understand and simple to use, is, is it gives you a very base benchmark of what good looks like. Once you go through the model and shaping process of understanding the 16 different areas that somebody needs to be strong at to be successful in this role, and you've got measurement capability, Every single time you sit down with those people, you can measure them against exactly the same criteria. It's not open to interpretation. It's not down to somebody's opinion or perception. It's very, very rigid in terms of what we're measuring against, which then, of course, combats the usual argument around consistency and fairness. It's consistent because it's always the same. So therefore, I understand what I'm being measured against. And I understand that that's what I need to be able to perform in those measurement elements to be successful in my role so that's what makes it fair yeah
1: and what how would you answer the question that we get time and time again which is well does it does it matter what your product or services or your organization is is customer does customer service competencies change depending on whether you're in a finance organization or a technology organization or a retailer or whatever it might be Uh, you know what would your answer be to that because what we've done what we've Incorporated into our model is the sixteen universal competences across four categories, which we're going to share with the listeners in a minute. Um, but we're really of, of, the, of the opinion now, with Dave, that it doesn't really matter where you're, uh you know where you're applying service. This competency framework, the product or service, is almost irrelevant. This is just the whole methodology of what you what needs to go into a great service-led
0: organization. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. It makes perfect sense. And I think uh, I think in terms of the the inputs, I think our 16 core competencies or 16 core inputs will work across any business mm. that is delivering any kind of front-facing service. Yeah. Um, 100%. I think the only thing that needs to be considered as, as, I guess, the other side of the process is the outcome stuff, the resolutions. The resolutions, of course, are business and... Um, industry-specific, that's the other side. And that's not the side that we deal with because I guess we would make the assumption that the business or company would already have that sort of stuff in hand.
1: Yeah. So, for example, and we'll come on to this and this will make sense, but it's a great point, Dave, our core competencies of, of the customer service framework is the inputs. But, yes, some of the detail underneath that will vary from customer to customer or from organization to organization so one of for example one of the core competencies of the 16 core competencies um, is to effectively deal with complaints and issues now um, that as a competency right is still universally relevant it just means that some of the the peripherals and the details of that will vary from organization to organization just means you've got to build knowledge in in that sure all right. So let's, for the listeners, then let's let's start by going through the four categories, and we'll then go through the sixteen competencies mm-hmm. that we see are universally relevant in great customer service operators and and and, and managers and departments and organizations. So the, f- the the model's simple, and as you'll see on the hub, if you if you if you download this or if you look into it, all of our competency frameworks, whether it's a sales competency framework, a leadership, a customer service. We, we split the competencies up into four categories, high-level categories, which are skills, the skills you need to do the job, traits, the traits you need to possess or have formed or developed over time.
0: Which as a will, human.
1: As a human being, which will naturally lend themselves to that role yep. or to the nature of that role. The third category is knowledge. So, of course, having the skills and the traits is one thing, but you do need to have... a a sufficient amount of knowledge in your sphere of expertise. And final category is process. As much as we love it, like it, hate it, whatever it might be, we need to, certainly in a service environment, you need to be able to fully understand and be able to execute upon the process required to deliver what you do. So four categories of the competency framework, skills, traits, knowledge, and process. And what we then have is we have elements or sub headings under those categories, the, or the competencies themselves. The actual, competencies, the actual yeah. competencies. under the categories. So let's start with skills, Dave. In, under the skills category, we have skills, uh, sorry, we have questioning, uh, active listening, communication, objection handling, and conflict management. So there are five competencies under the skills in the customer service competency framework. Now, people listening, Dave, might be going, there's far more than that. You know, or you know, but these are the five universally relevant. Which, if you can master, if you can be somebody who can ask intelligent and timely, well placed questions, you are. You can truly listen or actively listen. You're present, not just waiting for your turn to talk. Hmm. You can. You have well rounded overall great communication skills. You can handle objections effectively. And if you get into it, which you do in customer service, like you can conflict manage, Mm -hmm. those five things will put you in great stead. Would you add
0: add anything to that? Yeah, I think actually I would challenge that, that perspective that there are far more in terms of skills. I think if you started to list them and list them and list them by brainstorming, I think you could probably intrinsically link every other one that you came into back to the six that we've come up with. Yeah. I absolutely do. Yeah, so
1: that you could almost you could almost put them into buckets and they would all fall yeah, into communication, yeah. conflict management, the ability to question, the ability mm-hmm. to listen, absolutely. Yeah, for, for example, sure. you know, I will come on to it, the, the link into it, you could have something um, un, which comes under active listening um, and therefore you could categorize everything by these five, cate- uh, five competencies, you're absolutely right. So their skills, let's go on to traits. Mm-hmm. Traits, what's the difference? A skill just to... Differentiate a skill is an ability or proficiency that can be learned over time through practice, repetition, and repetition and training. It's something we can develop, and it gets better with repetition and and practice, or it actually decreases if we neglect it. But a skill is something that can be learned. A trait, however, is a it's almost like part of our DNA, Mm.
0: pre-programmed.
1: It is, And, and through years, we won't go into it on this podcast. But through years of development and anchors and experiences and nature versus nurture we start to form our view of the world we start to form our personality styles and our characteristics and we we inherit a set of traits that define us Mm. more or less define Mm. us now it's not impossible to to ditch a trait that's not serving you well or to form a new one but it's more of a a a complete mindset and behavioral change and, and happens over a period of time it's not as simple as learning a skill but traits are bit pretty deep-seated, right? We're pretty deep-seated. So there's many traits, but the four traits we have in our competency framework that we observe in great service people and great people who thrive in a service. Yeah. And that's the th- difference, Dave. That's the thing, thrive. People yeah. who thrive and enjoy. And enjoy, absolutely. And get self-fulfillment from being in a service role. Yeah, absolutely. And the traits they possess are fairness, empathy, the you know, the ability to truly look at a situation from somebody else's perspective integrity which is an important one in service mm. do what you say you will do first time every time mm. and the and the fourth one is clock speed which for the listeners out there we define as the peop- the, the ability to think on your feet so a trait that allows you to process that information mm. think about it not too much but pretty quickly and then respond accordingly it takes a, a certain level of emotional intelligence to have clock speed right but clock speed, because quite often in service, we need to think on our feet and respond. Mm. Nothing is worse than somebody in service who is not responding to you in your moment of need, right? No, absolutely. Time is of the essence. Would you uh, say any comments on traits and why they stand out as the four in our competency framework?
0: Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, we've had this discussion many times and certainly when we were building the competency frameworks that that, that from certainly from our perspective and from observations and from hundreds of hours experience from my perspective in terms of being involved in service and the delivery of service, traits for me is absolutely the most important of all four categories of Mm. competency. Because as you you rightly say, people can adopt new traits and they can adopt new traits through things like training and coaching and mentoring. But if a trait isn't absolutely pre-programmed and natural, it will only ever be a half skill. Yeah, and when it's only ever a half skill, it's only half effective. Yeah, and it will probably be implemented only half of the time. And that, and to your point, a half skill would contribute to it. It still
1: means it's a conscious effort to do it. The difference between skills and traits is skills are always a conscious decision or conscious action. Traits happen unconsciously and habitual. It's like in your DNA. And that's why people with the right traits, and to your point, it's the most important ingredient of the competency framework it's it's happening mm. un, unconsciously and habitually without yeah. even thinking about Absolutely. it and that's why it's powerful
0: yeah yeah 100 we'll come
1: back to traits because I, I, i'm gonna what we'll do at the end dave is we'll just focus in on those four traits fairness empathy yeah, integrity and clock right. speed and just give them a little bit more mm. give people and listeners a little bit more around uh, what we mean by that okay third category um is knowledge yep. as we said earlier mm. so we've got four competencies in the competency framework under knowledge that we observe in great service teams and service personnel so this is what do they have to carry a, a high level of knowledge in to, to execute the job well they have to execute uh, have to have a high level of knowledge in their product or service mm. might seem really <laughs> obvious right but you, you know <laughs> you, you if you're going to offer customer service or or problem resolutions or whatever it might be, you have to understand your product and service inside out. You have to have a high degree of knowledge in what you do. The second one is the customer. You either have to have a high level of knowledge of the customer or have access to something in the moment that can give you the knowledge on the customer that allows you to speak to them on their terms, in their world, and fill them full of confidence. And sometimes with this, you need great CRM systems, you need you know great that you can pull up a customer's details full history etc in a moment mm. and start communicating with them in a way which is meaningful sure policies and procedures is the third one so you as well as having knowledge of your products and services you have to as a service handler or a service agent have uh, and this is it it's not reading off a manual or checking back on 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 the intranet, it's mm ingrained in your brain the policies and procedures for at least the top complaints or the top issues that a customer yeah, might be facing sure. so you can that that plays into clock speed right you can act clock in the 100%. moment you you're all over it from the start right you yeah. you fill people full of confidence when you have a you know a, an ingrained knowledge of your policies and procedures and the last one is complaints and issues and what we mean by this is great service uh, agents understand the most likely and most common complaints and issues customers will either come in with or or, or experience. And therefore, it feeds into all of the other stuff. If you have a a really deep knowledge of what is likely to happen or what typically customers struggle with or may be calling in with for further help or information, you can get on the front foot. You can become very well-versed in it. But either way, what we're saying is you're not there to sit on a desk or on a phone or in a branch, and and escalate every you know mm. uh, every single customer mm. interaction. Great service handlers can feel the majority of stuff themselves. We're not saying escalation isn't part of it. We'll come on to that. To that yeah. But great service handlers go out their way above and beyond their training to build their knowledge in their products and service, their customers' policies and procedures, and the most common complaints and issues. Absolutely. And finally, process. Process is the final category of the customer service competency framework. And there's only three uh, competencies in here because, like you say, Dave, depending on organizations, everybody's different in this area, but most things can come under these three competencies. They have to have a competence, a level of competency on the whole customer service cycle. And what we mean by this is every organization has a different five-step process or three-step process, what we call the customer service cycle from picking up the phone to clarifying the problem to whatever, resolutions, whatever it may be. Um, But great customer service people know the cycle inside out. They know the journey they need to go on before they wrap that engagement up. The second one is systems. You know, you need, we touched on it earlier, you need to understand the process around the systems, the technology you use, So things are done properly, things are documented, things are closed off, right? Whether it's a ticketing system or a CRN system or whatever it might be. And finally, the final competency under process is escalation. You know, great customer Mm -hmm. service people do all the things we're talking around first, but they know where it's both relevant and at the right time to escalate the situation. And they do that very, very well, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's part of the process.
0: Well, I think as well, I mean, there's not just the, the escalation in terms of, you know, an emotionally elevated customer and so on and so forth that's making reasonable demands. I think rarely these days do we ever come across a one contact resolution customer service agent. Yeah. So we make one call in and we get the resolution that we need. So much more frequently, this the agent, uh, you know, they might have done a great job with us, a world class job. But more than frequently, they'll have to pass that to somebody else to carry out the next part of the resolution yeah, or to authorize the resolution or to check the details of delivery towards the resolution or whatever it might be. So in terms of the escalation, it's just what is the next part of the process away from this agent, I think. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. And they know where that where to go, when to deploy it, when it's the right mm. time. How long it's going if to take. It's not too early. They're not yeah. just chucking everything up to escalation absolutely. and not driving any accountability. Sure. But likewise, they're not... Uh, keeping a disgruntled customer, you know, uh, communicating with them when when it's heading nowhere, they yeah. know when it's the right time and when it's most appropriate. Totally. So they the the four categories: skills, traits, knowledge, and process. Sixteen universal competencies within each. In our model, as you'll see in the toolkit, there is worksheets and toolkits and templates to score each service agent or advisor or whatever you call them in your organization based on the 16 competencies, and there's four levels of competency, Dave, from, um, I think it's uh, awareness, Mm -hmm. working, practitioner, Practitioner and expert. expert. Dave's looking at me there, because I should (laughs) talk about knowing your knowledge and say, all right, I'm sort of at a a moment there, right? So awareness, working, practitioner, and expert, expert, and that's just four levels of competency, right? But you get to score people on the 16, they come out with the results, which mm. will say they are strong in some areas, they are not so strong in other areas, or it's an area to build on. And you'll come out with a nice fancy dark spider diagram, which shows you a visual yeah. of where their areas to build on are. And that helps sure. us develop and engage our service agents in the right and most appropriate places Correct. going forward. Yeah. Right? Because service agent or customer service advisor one will be different to customer service mm. advisor two. They might have Complete opposite strengths and weaknesses, Mm. right, or areas to build on. And that's the value. It's consistent across all people, but it gives you, at an individual level, a more bespoke and personalised development opportunity. So let's come back to traits, Dave. Just on traits, we talked about fairness, empathy, integrity, and clock speed. Just give the listeners a bit more of what we mean by each um, on the descriptors. Because you said traits, in your opinion are the most important part of the competency framework. I mean, it's all important, but...
0: No, I think, absolutely, I think so. And when I've um, worked in a service environment, it was a relatively high-end service environment for um, a global car manufacturer. Um, When I was writing the personal profiles for HR to be able to start recruiting... I did say that these are the most important things that you need to recruit against mm. because we've got the ability. We've got an internal training team who can give them the ability around skills, knowledge, and process. And then through time, they will gain more knowledge and more skills, make them more knowledgeable and more skilled. But they've got to have these base traits, traits cause for they're them ha- to fit into yeah. the business and for them to deliver even a base level of service when they're brand new on the phones.
1: And that's a top tip for anyone listening or any customer service managers or or whoever might be involved in or responsible for it, hire the right people based on the traits in the competence That's framework, right. and you can skill them.
0: Absolutely. You can
1: skill the rest, you know, the skills, yeah. the knowledge, the process, mm-hmm. that can all be learned and enhanced over time through practice, training and repetition. But you can't hire someone in and then three months later, give them a personality transplant. It's harder to do, right? So this is why we're saying higher on traits and traits. So go on, Dave. We talked about the right traits for a service mm. professional. Just talk through them again, and, and just give a bit of a bit more of a deeper understanding of them.
0: Yeah, sure. So, so I mean, the first the first one we've got is fairness. Um, you, you know, what's right and what's wrong. You know, and, and more than frequently, well, I would say every single time a customer contacts a service advisor or a service handler, it's because they've got a problem. They feel hard done by in some way or another that's centered around the business or service that your company provides. Mm. So they're already aggravated. And and me personally, when I phoned up and I'm aggravated with customers, uh, with, with um, companies, which, which does happen, as you well know, hmm. um, you know, I've said to people, can you not understand how I feel? And would you not feel the same way if this was to happen to you? And quite frequently, you met with the response of, uh, I-, I couldn't answer that. I can't answer that. It's not, it, I couldn't answer that because, you know, I, I work for mm. so-and-so, so-and-so. And I think that's an absolute crock. I really do. I want you to be a human. I want you to understand how I feel. And do you know what? Say yes. Do you know what? In your situation, I probably would feel the same because that would do two things for me. It would make me understand that they're not just reeling off a script, that they're not in a transactional environment and that they are a human by saying, do you know what? I think I would feel yeah. the same.
1: It would diffuse you. And it would yeah.
0: absolutely diffuse me. That's the second That's the second thing it would do. It would diffuse my, my um, level of emotional elevation to a certain extent because I know I'm dealing with a human. Yeah,
1: and, and we do a lot of work on print and unconscious motivators and there's certain motivators which will lend itself to fairness yeah, and right and absolutely. wrong. And just our descriptor under fairness for the listeners is an individual who believes in a fair and just world they stick to the rules, because obviously that's important in yes. service, understand the importance of structure, and try to see the best in others. That's mm-hmm. what we mean, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Cool.
0: Empathy. Yeah. Empathy. Now, now we, we always extend, I guess, the dictionary meaning of empathy, because yeah. you know we deal with humans. That's, that's our core business, helping humans progress and be better, a better version of themselves, as we say. Now, for me, empathy, it, it does say in our descriptor, an individual demonstrates an understanding of other people's situations from their perspective and in turn can relate to them mm. i think that's great and it, it's the usual kind of um meaning of empathy but i would extend that to saying um when one human genuinely cares about another human's feelings and i think that's a real key aspect of delivering world class customer service when you really care that i'm fed up when you really care that i'm really really annoyed and frustrated when you care it comes across particularly when it's sincere not a learned or adopted yeah. trait yeah. which you can feel as well as a human yeah and that again will diffuse me instantly and when, you... when when somebody says to me i understand exactly how you feel and i would feel the same in your position and guess what i'm going to help you work this through today
1: yeah and and our descriptor on this in the competency framework is under empathy is an individual who demonstrates an understanding of other people's situations from their perspective and in turn relate to them. Yeah. But f- more so going deeper than that for you, yeah. it's when it's truly sincere, um, it you can tell the difference 100%. and it makes yeah. the difference. And yeah. therefore, recruiting people with the natural trait of empathy we, with a, an amiable mm. person who has a very strong connection toward the human beings and feelings and emotions and relationships, that serves you know, people well. And you know what? There's roles out there where people who we're describing don't thrive (laughs) when it's very task and goal-focused or process-driven and you're overly emotional Mm. uh, Mm. or connecting with human. You don't thrive in that role, but where they do thrive is in service roles because it's it's right. Right, integrity.
0: Yeah, integrity. Uh, I mean, the amount of times, you know, I think about myself as a customer and I relate to this all the time, the amount of times that I've been promised resolutions or further contact through escalation, you know, or an email to confirm something by customer service handlers, I've probably lost count of. Uh, and I would probably say 95% of those times, not one of those examples has come to fruition. Yeah. Because the amount of people that promise you things, that never materialise is quite astonishing.
1: And you know what? We do this, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna blow our own trumpet. We do this very well at T2 with customers. I'm very very hot on this. You have to deliver what you say you will. Yeah. You have mm. to do what you commit to doing. And when you forget or you don't follow up with that email or those documents or you don't, uh, you know, do what you say you're gonna do, integrity very quickly goes. And that. Then the whole
0: relationship starts to break mm. down, and it's yeah. you lose it's, faith, you lose trust. Yeah, there's no rapport. And next one. time you phone, you're sceptical because yeah. you don't believe what they're going to say. It's very difficult yeah. to get it back yeah. once yeah, it it's gone. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, under integrity descriptor in the competency framework, we describe it as an individual who does the right thing every time. Someone who will always follow up and do what they say they will do. Absolutely. And that mm. that is huge for your brand and for your organisation. Yeah, so is. we've got to we've got to have that. Right, last one. Clock speed. We touched upon it earlier, but again, just let's just recap what we mean by clock speed as a natural trait in, in people, a natural uh, characteristic.
0: Yeah, I think I think clock speed is is um, directly linked to active listening. Um, you know, many many times, we, you know, we try to describe what active uh, people try to describe what active listening is, and it's just being present. It's understanding what that other human is saying rather than thinking about your response. Yeah which is frequently the case in a lot of the aspects of work that we work in. I've just experienced it myself. Um, And when somebody has the ability, the, the naturally programmed ability, to listen to what you're saying and respond accordingly, appropriately, accurately, and quickly to what I say gives me an awful lot of trust in that human being because to me they feel credible. Absolutely.
1: And you know what? This is the one of the only four. So, in fairness, empathy, and integrity, we believe that they are three traits that are triggered from nurture, from your parents in your early social years, the events. Yeah. You know, you can develop fairness, empathy, and integrity from a nurture perspective, right? But clock speed for me is partly. Nature, right? We we have brains. Certain people who are wired in the brain to to process information incredibly incredibly quickly and respond accordingly. So there is a there is it is a trait. It can be as a result of nature, but there's also this element of some people have it and some people don't, Dave, and that's Mm. why you're saying. Mm. You've got to recruit on the right traits because if you can recruit somebody with clock speed, in a it's, this is in the sales as well, mm. in a sales or customer service role, their ability to process yeah. information accurately, um, understand it, interpret it, and respond quickly and mm. accordingly is is great, and it's not with everybody naturally, no, right? A, no. So we've got to try and test for that in the interview process,
0: which well, is relatively straightforward. Yeah, and I mean, in you know, in this in the competency framework terms, there are clock speed around. Um, you know, certainly things like products and service and the service cycle and things like that. However, when you are interviewing potential candidates, when you ask them a question, if they start umming and erring and looking to the sky and saying, Oh, that's a great question. They don't just give yeah. me a minute, that that's not demonstrating clock speed. speed. And we're not bothered if the answer's right or wrong. That that's irrelevant whether the answer to the question is right or wrong. It's just the ability to to it's answer as accurately as they think is possible as quickly and appropriate as possible.
1: And that's why in the interview stuff we do, we talk about the three types of questions. Yeah. They're designed to test for clock speed in that. Correct. Right, Dave, we've got 50 seconds left. So... I think we've just about squeezed that in there. So just to recap, (laughs) use the competency framework. Check out the four categories in the 16 universal competencies. It's on the T2 Hub. Look at the toolkits you've got and start driving your hiring, your developing, your measuring, your reward and recognition based on these competencies. And if we focus on the inputs, i.e. competencies, then the outputs will come. And that's what the great customer service organizations do.
0: Don't make your customer service people part of a tick box process. They are intrinsically linked to the success of your business.
1: Dave Pendleton, great finish. Thank <laughs> you very much. See you soon.